passion tonight, but there is a passion here. I'm not here with my own fire tonight, but there is a fire here. I'm not here in my own power tonight, but there is a power here. Father, we acknowledge. You said in all your ways, acknowledge you and you direct our path. We acknowledge you. You're our Lord, our shepherd, our governor, our deliverer, our redeemer, our victory. You're our very best friend. It's because of your love for us that we're here. And now that we love you, we want to follow you. We want to do your will. That's all we want to do. We want to be with you. Here and also there. We want to be with you. We believe you want to be with us. We believe it's your heart's desire. We believe that's why you came. We believe that's why you died. And we believe that's why you were faithful to rise again. And we believe that's how we know you shall come again. Tonight, Lord, we need your help to love you back. Just to love you. We ask for help tonight of eye solve. We ask you for your eye solve for our eyes tonight. We're asking for eye solve for all of our brothers and sisters that we might see. We're not those who have need of nothing. We have need of everything in you, everything that you want to give to us that you see that we need. We need you to clothe us. We need your gold tried in the fire. We need your leading. We need your lordship over our life. We need our ears to be open to receive and hear. We need your grace to anoint us with a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit to take us a little further than we've gone yet so far and to go a little further with you following you with courage and with joy and serving you with gladness Lord and serving you with a free heart and following you in love so that Lord there can continue that deep calling to deep and that fellowship with you Father and with your Son with your saints in the communion of your Holy Spirit so we can keep the feast Thank you for being here, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the precious saints, Lord, that you love so much. And everyone here, Lord, that you died for. That's why we're here. Thank you for that. We love you. In Jesus' holy name, we praise you. Amen. I'm going to share a few moments tonight. Do you see your calling? Do you see your calling? The question tonight is not, do you have a calling? The question isn't, is God calling? The question tonight, do you see your calling? Do you see it?
It's not unusual for us to understand that we've been blind and we get blind. We've been blind before Christ and as believers, we become blind. But Jesus never said, I want you now that you belong to me. I want you to do your best and I want you to try to be a light in this world. He never said that. He said, you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth. He never said, I want you to try your best. I want you to try to figure this out. He just declared it like that. The question is, do you see it? And this is not just reserved for baby Christians or newborn babes in Christ. Because we see great men of God and women of God who saw it, were living it, and then they missed it. Men like Elijah who were serving the Lord, doing His will, passionately, very zealous for the Lord his God. But then at some point he said, just kill me. I'm no better than my father's. I think I've, it's, I think I've missed it. I've wasted. It's been in vain. And the Lord had to come and reopen his eyes and, and through the still small voice had to restore him back to see his calling was to do the will of God alone. And then he would take him in a chariot of fire. But he had that time. The sun does not stop shining. The earth might get in the way of it. We call that nighttime. Or clouds might get in the way of it. But behind those clouds, the sun is still shining. It's possible for you to cover your light. But if you belong to Christ, Jesus said, you are. Say, I am. I am. He said, you are the light of the world. He didn't say you're going to try to be. The question is, do you see your calling? There's a group of men that Jesus spoke about. And he talked about the last days because he calls it the 11th hour, meaning just before midnight. And in that hour, he said there was many that were doing this and that and working and serving and many made deals with the owner, with the boss. And there was these certain uh, workers, persons, standing there seemingly doing nothing and along comes the boss and he says hey what are you doing why are you not working and they said something like this we didn't know that we were even called to work we didn't even know that there was work and he said well why don't you go to work in my vineyard and they said okay whatever you think's fair we'll work for they didn't make any deals and then it was all said and done and he was giving out the wages and the rewards. Those men who had made deals with this owner and said, I'll work but only for this much, made a business deal. Then he gave just as much to those who were the 11th hour, the last hour workers. And they said, hey, that's not fair. We did all that work and these guys here didn't do as much as we did. They didn't labor as long as we did. And the owner said, why is your eye evil? Because I'm good. You made a deal with me. But these ones, they were just serving. You know, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, whatever you want to give me, you saved my soul. You washed away my sins. You gave yourself for me just so I could be with you. You redeemed my life. I'm not making no deals with you. That's called serving Him out of love. When you love Him, you want to follow Him. When you love Jesus, Amen. people try to catch me all the time. 
So what do you think about Christian drinking? I tell them, what do you think about loving Jesus? Because I'm not into no doctrinal issue. If the Lord has told you, if the Lord has loved you, and you know that it's something that hurts Him, and you know when He made that plain, that's why it's got to be personal. I'm not following a crowd here. I'm following the one that died for me and loved me and gave Himself for me. I'm not looking at my cousins or my uncles or at anyone else. God bless them. May they all get saved. Some of my cousins are already dead, overdosed and, and been in prison and you know, crystal meth houses and all that. Want them all to be saved. But I can't follow a man. Might be going out. I want to open up a scripture tonight. If you'll turn there with me. Thank you, Jesus, to First Samuel chapter 30. Now, last night we talked about this. We're going to be going to chapter 30, verse 21. David got back in his right place. Can you say thank you, Jesus? And that right place for us is in Jesus Christ. It's who God made me to be. It's why Jesus died for me. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It's me as a child of God. Not what I was, but who I am in him. In my right place of faith. I'm not walking by works. I'm living by faith in what Jesus accomplished for me on the cross of Calvary. And we saw last night that the Lord answered him. And the Lord spoke to him when he was in his right place. And if you were to read on that story, which we're not going to do tonight. But if you were to read that on there in chapter 30. You would find that the Lord gave complete victory. And they recovered everything. It was restored. Can you say restored? restored? And that's how it is in Christ Jesus. You're born again. Jesus has won the complete victory like our brother shared the scripture in the beginning of service in Romans chapter 8. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Thanks be to God who always makes us triumph through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 5 and 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes this world, and this is the victory that overcomes this world, even our faith. 1 John 4 and 4 says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. There's no doubt that Jesus completely won the victory. Colossians says, After he accomplished it on the cross, after he shamed the devil, after he nailed all of your sins and everything against you to his cross, and redeemed you with his blood. He led captivity captive. He ascended on high. And he ever lives there. His church is victorious. His people are victorious. Every single child of God. I don't care if they just experienced the greatest miracle of their life. Or if they're about to be beheaded. Every son and daughter of God, I don't care if they have a lots of money in the bank or no money in the bank, every single child of God is absolutely victorious. They might not see it, but it's true. I'm going to move on a little further tonight to the calling of, of God on your life. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 21. 
This is after the victory. And David is heading back. He's got their wives and children are all with them. And, and they're all thankful. They're tired, but they're thankful and blessed. Verse 21, David came to the 200 men who had got so tired they couldn't follow David. They only made it so far. And they made them stay at the brook Besor. They went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with them. I want you to picture this. They were going along pursuing the enemy. But there was a group of them, 200 of them that just couldn't go any further. So they stayed behind with some of the gear as they crossed the river. They just couldn't make it across there. But they're still in the camp. They're still in uh, that company of faith. And now they're coming back. And as David, who at that time was the leader there, when he meets them, he's not there with his boys uh, all excited. And he meets this 200 there that didn't go all the way with them. He doesn't shun them or despise them. David came near and he greeted them. The Lord Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, every time he appeared to the disciples, he said, peace to you. They were doubting. They were unbelieving. They were struggling. They, were, they weren't seeing their calling. Peter said, I'm just going fishing. He wasn't thinking about fishing for men. He was just thinking, I'm just, I don't think I'm called anymore. And when the Lord appeared, he came personally. He greeted them, verse 22. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those that went with David answered and said, you know, because they didn't go with us, we're not going to give them any of the spoil that we've recovered. Except we'll just let them have their wife and children and then we'll uh, send them away from here. Verse 23, David said, my brethren. See, David had just been through it too. These same men were about to stone him to death before he got anointed of God and went and led them to victory. And he knew what it was to be on the top and on the bottom, back on the top and back on the bottom. He was learning from God in the school of Christ. He knew who gave them the victory. He knew it wasn't his own hand. He knew it wasn't none of their hand. No matter who, there was some that maybe were a little more buffed than the other ones and, and, and maybe could... Uh, sling a sword a lot more, uh, I guess, dramatically and a lot more, uh, I guess, impressively. But David knew, no, 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 no. My brethren, you're not going to do things that way. Not with what the Lord has given us. There's a key word. It's the Lord that saved us. It's the Holy Spirit working amongst us. He works the miracles. He convicts the sinner. You can spend hours with someone trying to convince them to give their life to Christ and still nothing. They're still there. Nothing. There could be another person and you just say one word. Jesus loves you. And next thing you know, they're over there. Ah, and you're like, what's going on with them? And suddenly they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're saved. They're born again. Because it's the Holy Spirit of God. It's not any effort of our own. He works the miracles. When he ascended on high, he sent forth the Holy Spirit. So that way, all of us are used by God, but there's not one person more important, than. but every person's so important and vital. And he might move through this one or through that one, and it's not just from a pulpit. You know, this is the true pulpit. 
that God has in living testimonies of living children of God every day. That's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We forget that sometimes. We don't see it. We get blinded to it. Look what he said. The Lord, verse 23, has given this to us. Say the Lord. Lord. He has preserved us. And he delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. Jesus gave us everything we have. Verse 24. Who's going to listen to you? Who's going to heed you in this matter? But as is his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. Those who are cooking, those who are taking care of babies, those who are folding blankets, those who are just praying and carrying that burden of God, those who are just giving a cup of cold water to someone, those who are showing mercy, they shall share alike. Say that. How does this one say it? Say that. They shall share alike. One more time. They shall share alike. That's the Holy Ghost. One brother came up to me and said, give me some of that anointing. I said, you already have some of that anointing. You have that anointing. It's in you. Well, how does it flow? Jesus said, believe. Those that believe, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Do you see your calling? They came to Jesus, John chapter 6. They said, what can we do to work the works of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God. Believe in the one that he sent. This is how God works and uses your life. You must believe, first of all. Verse 25. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. That means it wasn't David. David's statute can't stand, but the Lord's statutes, the Lord's spiritual laws are forever to every generation. That means to this very day, this is how God wants it. David had a revelation of it. He knew that it was true, and he spoke prophetically by the Spirit of God. And to this very day, this is true. This is how it will be amongst God's people. Because it's so difficult to see your calling. And I don't just mean a calling. I'm not talking in the natural. I'm talking in the spiritual. For you to be able to see your calling. Someone said, how can I find my calling? I tell them, well, it begins with personal conviction. It's got to be personal conviction. There's a scripture you read often. I believe there's some pictures up here in in this uh, sanctuary building too, Joshua 24, 15, might be familiar. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. But if you go back and read the rest of that chapter, right after that, all this group of people said, we will too. And Joshua said, no, you can't. Read it again. It sounds mean when you read it. It sounds very mean. But it's not if you listen. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they all begin to say, we will too. We will too. He says, no, you can't. 
Because you can't really serve Him following the crowd. It's got to be a personal conviction. You know who called you and who you serve. It can't just be. People ask me, are you part of AA? I said, what is that again? Uh, or NA, Alcoholics Anonymous? I said, first of all, I'm not an alcoholic. Yes, I was a drunk. But I've been born again. And it's not anonymous. I know his name is Jesus Christ. There's nothing anonymous about it. That doesn't mean there's not precious brothers and sisters that may be a part of some group meeting out there or anything. You understand that, right? But there's nothing. It's got to come from a personal conviction. When you read about after the Lord rose from the dead, our Lord, he rose from the dead, the Lord Jesus. If not, it says your faith is in vain and you're still in your sin. And you're doomed. But since he has risen from the dead. And he does hold your life in his hand. And he does hold the entire future. And he is the judge. John chapter 5 says not even the father judges. He's given all judgment to his son. Who is worthy. But after he rose from the dead. He met with his disciples there in John 21. You'll find that. And he tells Peter do you love me? See, that's personal. I don't want you to do ministry just because others. Do you love me? I don't want you to show mercy just because it's the right Christian thing to do. Do you love me? I don't want you to pray just because, you know, you're supposed to pray. Do you love me? I don't want you to share Jesus and preach Jesus because it's. Something impressive because many times, no, you're not going to feel any support. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And then if you keep reading there in John chapter 21, you'll read where it says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, he loved all of them. Say all of them. This was John writing by the Spirit of God. And so it just simply meant he personally believed that. It's not wrong for you to say, to sing yes Jesus loves me. It's not wrong for you to sing that. It's just you believing the truth. But then it says as he walked by, then Peter had this habit and he was looking at him and he said, Lord, what about him? Jesus said, what is it to you what I do with him? You follow me. It's personal. What is it to you I'm doing with him? personal conviction it's the same thing why in your life how the holy spirit tells you it wasn't a christian rule book that should tell you what god wants in your life what he doesn't want in your life relationships that should be that should not be things you that come out of your mouth no one had to teach me a rule book what is curse words what is uh words that are corrupt communication Believe me, after I got saved, when bad words came out of my mouth, the Holy Spirit let me know, I don't like that. I don't like what you're saying. If I even thought it and nobody knew it, the Lord tell me, I don't like that. That grief that makes me sad. Envy. You envy. That means when someone else gets blessed and, and, and you, you're not happy about it. And inside of you, the Holy Spirit, that's conviction. 
I mean, you're following Jesus because you believe he called you. Sometimes I would uh, visit many of the homes, even in, in our own home. We, uh, go into the dorm. Many of the men would be there. And, and I would walk around the corner, not spying, just walking in. And I would hear them talking about, you know, uh, when I get out there, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And talking about the gang or about drugs. And as soon as I walk around that corner and they saw me, uh, like I was saying, man, you're going to be a preacher, man. And God's called you and, and everything else. And I would just be straight up like this. I would go sit down by him and I'd say, uh, you were just telling him, why did you change like that? Just tell the truth. Nah, man, okay, you got me, you got me. Now let's talk about this. Let's talk about personal conviction. Are you doing what you do just because the crowd? Jesus said, wide is the path that leads to destruction. Why is that? Because it's just people following people. We're going this way, and they're all going that way. He said, but narrows the path. You've got to hear and believe. It's got to be something that you know. It's the Lord. You're blessed if you have a mom or grandmother, aunt, or uh, uh, anyone, uncle, or anyone that's saved and prays for you. But even though they believe, and, and you're blessed if they pray for you, but you're not saved until you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you confess with your mouth that He's Lord, then you shall be saved. That's personal conviction, and that's how you find your calling. Pharisees, they don't like that. Now, there's no Pharisees in this room. Let me make that plain. God's children that are born again are not Pharisees, but we can be influenced. So Jesus told his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees and of Herod, which is the world society. Beware if what you're doing is because you've been influenced. What was the leaven of the Pharisees? He said hypocrisy. And then he described it in, in, in a nutshell. He said they have no private life with God. It's all just public. And he was saying it's not, it's not for real. I want you to look at this overflowing blessing of our lives when we receive this personal conviction and we begin uh, to follow and to hear. And everyone, I'm going to repeat it again, everyone struggles with their calling. When Sarah, Abraham's wife, heard about it in secret, she kind of heard a little news there. Little birdie told her she heard she was eavesdropping and she heard, the Bible says she laughed, but in doubt. Then she got convicted and said, I didn't laugh in and she did believe, and God did use her life. But she had to believe. Jeremiah, he says, no, I'm too young. God said, before I formed you in the womb of your mother, I knew you, and I ordained you, and I called you, and you're going to go where I send you, and you're going to speak what I tell you to speak. And he came to believe it. The call of God doesn't begin with trying to figure out what you're going to do in church. It's your love for Jesus. Look, look at verse 26. After all this happened, David came to Ziklag. He sent some of the spoil, look, look, look at this, to the elders of Judah and to his friends. 
Here's a present for you. That's what happens when you know it's God that blessed you. You just start overflowing and, and just sharing. And, you know, you're not uh, uh, withholding. If it's the last uh, whatever piece of toast or uh, South Texas, I don't know here how many tortillas you have. But if it's the last tortilla or, or whatever, you, you're not the one to rush on it. You make sure. And then, you know, the devil tries to put that thought in your mind. But what about me? But when you know Jesus is already taking care of me, and you don't worry, even if everybody else, God's got special things for you, especially when the world passes you by, especially if people despise you or look over you or think that you're nothing. David began to share, verse 27, to those that were in Bethel, those that were in Ramoth on the south, those that were in Jatir, 28, those that were in Aror, those who were in Sipmoth, those who were in Eshtemo, 29, those who were in Rakal, those cities that were of the Jeremilites, those who were in the cities of the Canites, 30, those who were in Horma, those who were in Korishan, and those who were in Atach, and those who were in Hebron. And if you think I said all those names right, no. <laughs> Verse 31, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to to rove. What does this mean? The blessing was overflowing. Whenever we're living it, it begins to bless even other churches, other people, not just like the, the gathering and the conference coming up. That, that's a, a, a also a spiritual sign of that. When, when we're living in that, when we're believing that, then by example, by love, by blessing, we're able to bless others. Or like I heard that the last, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the church in Pakistan, like what you all have back there in the back, like that too. There's a desire, and suddenly the, the blessing begins to overflow because men and women are walking in their calling. People think the calling is something natural. It's not. I want you to turn with me for a moment to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 26, it says, For you see your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise. In other words, you can't find your calling there in your education. I have a very precious brother. He's in heaven now. God used him all the rest of the years of his life. And when he came to the Lord, he could not read a lick, nothing and God made him a preacher and a pastor, and he never went to school. Uh, even though he did learn to read, but what it was was that he was uh, hungry. And when you're hungry, uh, you start learning because you want to learn. And it was the Bible, it was the Holy Spirit that taught him to read just out of hunger. But see, God doesn't look at any of that. God doesn't care if you know how to read or don't know how to read or if you know algebra. Nothing wrong if you do. But he says your calling's not found there. Not by being wise, not by being mighty. If, if you bench press a thousand pounds, that's great. But your calling's not there. Not many noble. If you're born of noble birth, or if you, uh, no, it's not found there by your natural birth, are called. For you see your, this one says, consider your calling. Mine says, you see your calling. How can you believe you're called 
if you, how can you consider this unless you see I've been called? And, and so first of all, the Holy Spirit through Paul says, first of all, you've got to put away these wrong ideas about your calling, that God is, is impressed the way that man is impressed. That God would choose you because of some natural ability or how much money you have in the bank or who your parents were or any of those things or whether you have a rap sheet or whether you were a drug addict or whether you're a sex offender or whether you had all these things. When you come to Jesus Christ, you have to face value, believe him for what he said to you. And though trembling we come to him, you have to believe that his blood, his precious blood washed away your sins. If you don't believe that, how could you ever believe you have a calling? And if I don't believe he loves me, how am I going to love anyone else? Why would I sacrifice my life for you or anyone else? Why would I lay my life down, especially if people don't care, unless you love him? And All through scripture you see this. But when, when the church, when people don't see their calling, go to chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you weren't able to receive it. And even now you're still not able. For you're still carnal because where there is envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? What was the problem? They just weren't seeing their calling. God doesn't call you in the natural. He calls spiritual men and women. That's in Christ Jesus. It had nothing to do. God didn't choose you because of any ability of your own. You believe Jesus. I've been to some churches. I've been around precious believers. They don't even know how precious they are. Some of them just show up to church and just love everyone. They don't have much money. They don't stand out. They don't have a website. And I'm talking about a believer. It's not wrong if you do, if you have Facebook or anything. But they don't have any of that. But they're just such a blessing. I can't even put my finger on it. I just know it's the Holy Ghost. When you get around them, you just get refreshed. They just love Jesus. People talking about them, it looked like they don't even hear. I think surely she heard what they were saying right now. But they just walk on because they see their calling. They know it's a heavenly calling. They know who enlisted them to be a soldier in God's army. They knew who, know who called them. Jesus said, you follow me. I came into the dorm one day and I said, where, where did the brother go? There's a guy there kicking heroin. And I know the Holy Spirit touched him. Even though he was sick and he was kicking, he wanted to kick. And I believe, God, he's going to get saved. And, and there was two brothers standing there and they look like the cat that ate the canary good brothers but somewhere they're missing it i said what happened oh we don't know we don't know what happened i said well one of you was watching him what i mean did he say something i'm not thinking anything evil of you but what happened to the guy did you get to say you know hey the doors are open if you come back and hey god's not going to stop following you uh 
They're standing there, didn't want to talk, and there was a witness in the corner. He said, I saw what happened. They were both like, ah. <laughs> this guy's over there kicking heroin in a bunk. And these two men come into the dorm. They're getting in an argument. They're two leaders, counselors. Something about a pair of socks. That's what began to happen. I wasn't just crying for the guy that left. I was crying for these two guys. Because I knew somehow you got blind. You're not seeing your calling. I said, you know, but this guy, he's always, no, but this one, he's, I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're probably both right. But you're so wrong. Because it's, so worth it to you and it's not worth it to you to you know what i know if if we even discuss this right now and that guy's there flopping like a fish if you've been around guys kicking heroin he's there i mean old school heroin at they're tossing and turning and all that finally he got up and the witness said that he got up and he said you know what at least you guys got jesus i ain't got nothing but he said a curse word and Burst out the door of the dorm and down the street. I sat down again. This time I just cried. Because these two brothers are good brothers. They were good brothers. But they got blinded. Because you, when you're in love with Jesus, see, that's why... A husband will go to his wife and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I handled you wrong. For Jesus' sake. That's why a wife will come to her husband and say, you know what? My attitude wasn't right. Or I didn't speak right. Or I didn't tell you the whole truth. Forgive me. For Jesus' sake. That's why a teenager or a child will go to their parent and say, you know what? I've been giving you a hard time. and I know it's not right. And I know you love me and I want you to forgive me. That's the Holy Spirit. But the devil, he's the one that tries to make you proud. No, don't give nobody that. Don't be weak because then they're... Uh, that, but that's prison mentality. How can... That's why he says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, If any man purge himself from the latter, that's the dishonor, he will be made into a vessel of honor useful for the master. Meaning, which is great hope, you could be very unuseful in the house of God because of spiritual lack of conviction. But, say thank you, Jesus. You can be made into a useful vessel. God in His grace says, I'm not through with you. And if you're willing, and if you receive it personal, in other words, if you will let me open your eyes to see your calling, if you'll learn to value what I value. The night he was betrayed, his disciples were there. Read it again. This wasn't the first time. It happened multiple times. And very strange. I just noticed the Spirit brought this to my mind. Every time that this happened, Jesus was talking about the cross. Some reason, every time he mentioned the Son of Man must suffer. 
The Son of Man must be given into the hands of wicked men. But see, that's His love. That's the love of God. How deep, how far, how wide, how high, how long. Much that passes knowledge. The love of Christ. And the moment He would speak about it, it says the disciples would start discussing who of them was the greatest. The flesh, see, would rise up. And the night He was betrayed... They were arguing who was the greatest. Read it again in John 13. And it says, Jesus got up, took off his outer garment, which is a whole picture. It's a whole picture of the gospel. That he took off his outer garment, stepped down. But with Jesus, he stepped way down. Sometimes we humble ourselves a little bit. I'm going to humble myself for you today a little bit. I'm going to give you my ramen noodle. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm sorry. Sorry. Jesus, that's the picture of the gospel. He took off his outer garment, stripped himself of his power as God, though he is God. He stepped down and became a man. And there that night, he was demonstrating this. He began to wash his disciples' feet. The Lord of glory, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that the scripture says that heaven and earth will flee from him, and it mentions him as a lamb. But yet even creation knows that this lamb who created everything is the same one who died for you and me. He didn't create it in vain. He didn't save you in vain. And you're definitely not going to call on his name in vain. And he told them, right now you don't understand. He said, but you will. I've left you an example that you should do as I've done. He didn't just leave words. He said, I've left you an example. He didn't just say love each other. He said, I've left you an example. It's not just about talk. Let us not love in just word, but in deed and in truth. Sometimes we miss that. But I want you to know tonight, the Holy Spirit, He's the one. He's been ignored a lot. But God is helping. He's reviving His church and He's waking us up. Not going to get there just by, it's not wrong to go to Bible school, but you're not going to get there by Bible school. You're not going to get there by that. That's why the school of the prophets, they were, if you read it again in, in 2 Kings you know that they were mind-boggled. They've all been going to school, trying their hardest. And all of a sudden, here comes Elisha with Elijah. And all of a sudden, Elisha comes, has the mantle of Elijah, which represents the Holy Spirit. That's what all that represents. They went through the Jordan together. Elijah represents the Lord. He's not the Lord. He represents the Lord. Elisha represents the church and every individual believer. They go down into the Jordan together. Buried with him, raised with him by the power of God. Then the mantle falls. He's taken up and the mantle falls. That's the Holy Spirit going back into the same world, not by might nor power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And all these school of the prophets are standing there watching. We've been to school all this long. And how this guy, he was a farmer. He was there with the oxen there in the field. He received a personal calling. 
He believed it was God. Just gave God the glory. First Corinthians chapter 12. I asked my wife if she would come join me up here. God has to show it to you. God has to reveal it to you. We need to ask for the help of the Holy Spirit in the men's home. That's the thing. Or in the women's home, in the church of Jesus Christ, in your own home. I don't care if you're a single parent or if you live alone. That's enough to deal with, just you, right? <laughs> ask for the help of the Holy Spirit because you might not see your calling. There was people... This guy told me, I found out my calling. I said, really, how? He said, I took a test. I said, oh, no. Oh, no. He says, yeah, you could go online, and it has a questionnaire. And all you got to do is answer, and it says things like, do you like music? This much or that much? A lot, okay. Do you like talking to people, or do you like being alone? And then after it's all done, it spits out your calling. It sounds very silly, right? That's the very opposite of what we just read. That God says, I don't call you that way. I never, well, I would take, an, I would flunk my papers if, they, if it involved me having to get up and read a poem or something like that in front of the, I would never talk to people. Didn't want to be around people. God's not going to call you because of what you like. Because he wants you to know it's not you, it's me in you. It's not even you, even if you stand before a mad government or an antichrist you know, regime and you stand. He said, it's not even you, it's the spirit of your father speaking in you. Don't even worry about it. The Holy Ghost is with you and it's not by might nor power. He does the miracles. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are diverse differences in ministries, but the same Lord. Say the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Verse 7, pay attention to this, but the manifestation of the Spirit. One of the two main things the devil fights against, one of the two main things, that's your private prayer life, which is you just getting alone. Doesn't have to be five hours. Just begin with five minutes. Just begin with that. Amen. And be thankful for it. Before you know it, it'll be five hours. But you just begin with a little bit. And you just thank him. The other thing is our genuine love for one another. Those two things Satan will fight tooth and nail. Because it's in those things where your eyes are open and you see your calling. Sometimes when I would go to the streets, I would ask some of the men. Sometimes it's a, everybody, load up. We're all going over here. And sometimes it'd be, I'm feeling led to go to this side of town to witness. Does any of you want to go with me? And then someone would say, well, I would, I would. And the ones that wanted to. 
And there'd be one guy that'd be, I don't know. Why don't you go with me? I don't want to speak to no one. You don't have to. Sometimes just getting involved. We're going to the elderly home. Why are we going to the elderly home? Because Jesus cares for them. Going to the hospital. Sometimes it's good to just go along. That's why it's good to help out and do good with your hands. The hands that used to steal or kill can now heal. The tongue that would speak death can now speak life. It's good to get involved. It's not just learning not to do evil. It's learn to do good. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Say each one. There it is. Each one. You will share alike the Holy Spirit in you. And maybe you need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Say inside of me. He makes you heaven ready. But when you get filled with the Spirit, He comes or falls upon you and makes you earth ready. When I got saved, when I mentioned calling, I don't want you to think that right away, what am I going to do for God? I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do everything for God. When I got saved, I wasn't thinking anything about reaching lost people or telling anyone about Jesus. I was first just thankful to be saved, to be a child of God and the only calling I wanted was God to go ahead and call me home. So you might not be thinking there's something you want to do for God or what you want to do for God, but it begins with you believing that He saved you and He's got a purpose. And because you love Him, Lord, I don't want to do this or do that, but you're the Lord. Whatever you decide for my life. Maybe you'll call me home earlier than I thought. Maybe it's going to be, maybe I'm going to be on the earth longer than I thought. That's why people tell me how long do you think i'm supposed to be in the home or in this city or this i said don't go there don't go there we're not good judges of that you just serve jesus you just follow jesus let him carry you i want to go ahead and pray father we don't want to miss it You know where we've been. You know how we've served you, where we've missed it. Lord, we're not going to live in regret because you've told us to forget those things that are behind us. You've told us obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, Lord, I pray for your saints here and those who know they have a calling. They're not sure, but they know that it's you. I pray for those who have personal conviction, but Lord, you want to sharpen and make them deeper and, and make it stronger. And those who have been so influenced, it seems like when they're around your people, they follow you. When they're around those who are not your people, they stop following you. But they want their convictions to be deeper and stronger. They don't want to be double-minded. 
They want to love you back, Lord. They need you, the help of your Holy Spirit. Tonight, Lord, I thank you for tearing down strongholds that have uh, contained and withheld your people, sons and daughters, those who have always wanted to be free to share love, but they just they don't know what's hindered them. We ask for your Holy Spirit tonight. As we worship here tonight, the Holy Spirit is dealing personally with you. Don't worry about, well, what about him, Lord? What about her? Do you see your calling? Do you know you serve the Lord Christ? Do you know the one who loved you and gave himself for you is the same one that called you? Do you know how precious you are? Do you know how important you are? Do you know that those who appear less important, we actually bestow greater honor on them so we can care for one another. That's how he wants it. That's how the blessing overflows to other churches, other cities, uh, other states, other countries, other places. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And by this they will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I will take you further than you've been and I will show you what you have yet to see. And I will make you hear words you didn't know could be spoken to you. And I will set you free so you can serve me.